0: Welcome to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards, and as you know, this is the podcast where we look for ideas, information, inspiration to help us take that next step or that first step in whatever it is we're trying to do, whether it's we're we're an entrepreneur trying to start a business, whether we've got a side hustle going, whether we're just trying to get better in our current job, our current career, or take on a a, a personal project, uh, the guests who show up here all have a different take and all have an interesting perspective. In fact, if you caught my last guest, it was episode number 36 with Maya Nudicic. I'm butchering her last name and I'll I'll just apologize now. Um, I've already apologized to her for it, but uh, she is with the um, Serbian company Vega IT Sourcing and was really great conversation focused on creating a happy work environment. And, And that was the key focus there. And the belief that happier employees and, and create happier customers, and it was to the point where they don't even have a sales force, and yet they are the fastest growing company in Serbia, or at least one of them. And so anyway, an amazing episode. I encourage you to check it out. But for today, we've got Katrina Kibben, and uh, I, I should always ask how to pronounce people's names before I start. Did I get your you last name right, it. Katrina?
1: You nailed it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, So Katrina uh, was introduced to me by a mutual friend, Don Burke, who was also a previous episode, actually went one, I believe, within the first 10 episodes. And um, I I find that interesting people always know interesting people. And so I love getting referrals from my guests. So Katrina, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who you are? What do you do? What are you up to?
1: Absolutely. My name is Katrina Kibben. I am the founder and CEO of Three Ears Media Uh, And our mission is to teach recruiters to be better writers. Uh, We do that in three different ways. The first is through training. Uh, We do small group training as well as company trainings that are completely tailored to your, your company and your message. We do research and assessments to let people know where they stand right now because I think that's one of the biggest problems in creating better copy is just not knowing what better looks like or not knowing that it's not good enough right now. Uh, And the final piece, of course, is stepping in and helping people write that content. I've been a copywriter for about 10 years now in this space. Uh, I was formerly the managing editor of Recruiting Daily, and I took on a few other writing gigs uh, and employer branding and recruitment marketing along the way. So now doing it on my own is really exciting and and a new and unique challenge uh, that we've been going through now for about a year.
0: All right. So for, for those who are starting to think, well, I'm not a recruiter, I'm not a copywriter. I don't care. Trust me, you care. Uh, so th- this is, I mean, communication, written communication is one of those just key prime skills. Uh, I, I always tell people that, you know, public speaking, learn public speaking that, that is like the best career skill you could ever learn. I would put copywriting right up at there as a close second, if not tied. So Why is copywriting so important? I mean, you do it in the context of helping recruiters find candidates, uh, which is great for any business who has to hire people. But why is copywriting so important?
1: Well, to take it out of the recruiting context, because I know your listeners aren't just in this field, I recently went to a conference and was talking to a gentleman who was presenting. And I said, you know, the way you tell a story matters. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you're right. And he told me a story about how he was up for a sales job against an external candidate. And both of them were asked to prepare a presentation that would be given without them there. They wanted to see how you could take an idea and translate it into something that was compelling with or without you to be a true leader, right? And so what he told me basically is that They ended up hiring the external candidate despite his track record of being incredibly successful with that company because he could not tell the story as effectively as the comparison. And so, when we think about stories in the context of our everyday life, persuasion matters, especially in a world where trust is such a commodity. We don't trust anything now because we've been taken advantage of digitally. So, the way we say things matters in any
0: context. Well, let's put it back in the recruiting context. And I agree, it it does matter in in every context. But, you know, you think about it, so if you're a business owner, um, placing an ad, you need to hire someone. I mean, why isn't it as just as straightforward as saying, hey, we need someone, you're someone, come apply?
1: Well, I think
0: there's... Or actually, let let me spin that a little bit, Katrina. Where do people get in their own way when when they're writing that ad?
1: Well, so there are a few factors at play. Number one, we're in a really competitive market. We've all heard about the unemployment rate, right? We're under 4% right now. That changes your competitive strategy. If it hasn't changed your strategy, you're probably underemployed right now, right? You probably haven't filled those jobs. And so you know, to answer your question about kind of looking at it, um, from where we're seeing the mistakes, I genuinely feel that there's really good intent. And we were talking a little bit about this before we kicked off the recording, right? So I I think there's a gap between what people know is great content, um, and how to actually do it. And so we get in, our own way by saying this is good enough and good, isn't good enough right now.
0: Mm. Yeah. I find it incredibly difficult um, to, to edit my own work. Mm -hmm. And I I think, but I think that's like, everyone thinks they're a good driver. Everyone thinks they have a great sense of humor. I kind (laughs) of get the impression that most people think that, you know, whatever they wrote was, you know, plenty good enough. Why why do I need someone else to look at it? Why, why, why bother with that when I can just put it out there? Um, And yet it it is brutally hard to edit your own work. So what, what kind of, well, I don't know if I'm digging too far into the secrets here, but, you know, just kind of big principles when it comes to copywriting, when it comes to being, you know, um, clear and concise and compelling, How do you go about doing that? Or or what's the best way to prepare for doing it for someone who hasn't studied copywriting?
1: Right. So I think the first step is to always listen. Um, I think you need to go to the audience who will ultimately consume whatever you're writing and ask questions. Really try to understand them. If you can, you want transcribed conversations with them. I'm not talking these one-off tweets where you get three people to respond and you call that a like, you know, a quick judgment on the state of whatever recruiting information you're you're sending out. I'm talking about really understanding the trends and starting to hear those messages, and then ta- taking that and putting that on your website. Um, and I I feel like there's a gap. Um, what happens and i it you listen to people, and then people who are in house very often put their own blinders on and take that information and make it their version of the truth uh and when you do that, it starts to separate the real message that's going going to connect with the right kinds of people uh into some kind of marketing you know something that doesn't quite feel right. It, though usually it ends up with a lot of buzzwords and 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 things that kind of turn you off. Um, and so ultimately, it's it's about getting what's going to connect with the right people, and using their own words is the easiest way to do that.
0: Yeah, um, you, sorry, you made, made me laugh there a little bit. Just the idea of you know the, the three people who bother to respond on Twitter as being your focus group. <laughs> you are know
1: <I'm> right. Um, <laughs> there are slits. Yeah, we, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> we, we do that. We we don't know where to turn. We we throw it out to the world. Um, I think we do that with job postings. I think we do that with market research. I I know a lot of people go go deeper than that, but. It does feel, I don't know, I guess it feels like we've done something. You know, I put on Twitter, these three people responded, so that must be the truth. That must be the direction that I need to go in. Um, and yet, obviously, if we were going to put together a focus group, we wouldn't choose three random people who bothered to respond to us. Um, how do you go to go to people then? Because for a lot of people, you know, their clients, their customers, they're the people they're trying to hire from may not even be in the same city. And, and you know we're we're, we're joking about putting a, just one quick tweet out there and calling it market research, but uh, how what is the best way to reach out? I, I assume it includes maybe some social media, maybe some email, but but I don't know. How, how would you go about doing that?
1: So I actually used this exact strategy when I created my company, uh, and it works. okay, so this pick five people who could potentially be your kind of customer that you already have a relationship with go to them and say, I am thinking about this idea and I really want your feedback. Can you give me some insight? So whether you're in a marketing, whether you're sitting in a marketing role and you're trying to figure out how to sell to a customer or you're sitting in a recruiting role and trying to sell a job, this is going to work. So You already have these relationships and maybe for a recruiter, right? It's two or three of your friends that have this job or, you know, someone you worked with along the way and you ask a few questions just to understand how they would react. So for example, if I were doing one for recruiting, I might ask if you lost your job right now, where would you look first? Mm. Right? That's That's an obvious thing that ties right to your marketing. If I'm doing marketing, I'm going to say, okay, if I presented this to you, what questions am I answering? What questions do you have right now? Right? And, and so we're, we're really just getting into understanding how to address their needs. And when you can tra- translate someone's needs into compelling copy, right, into your marketing strategy, you're having a different conversation because clarity is the number one marketing tactic. If people know what you're trying to say, clarity is what gets you the deal closed. Marketing, job, whatever.
0: So I, I can't help but notice there that as we're talking about, you know, copy for positions, we're we're talking about marketing. And I I don't know that many business owners think about recruiting as marketing. Um I don't know that many recruiters think about recruiting as marketing. Uh, Maybe they do, but, uh, but, but it definitely is. I mean, like what what you're talking about, you're trying to tell a story, you're trying to get a point across, you're trying to catch the attention of the ideal person whose attention you want to catch. And, you know, you don't need everyone's attention. You just really need that, that, those, those couple of people who would be great for the role how can people ask for feedback on their writing? Cause I mentioned it, it, you know, from my experience, it's really hard to edit your own writing. And yet also from my experience, when people tend to ask for feedback on writing, they tend to just say like, Hey, is it good? Mm,
1: yeah.
0: Well, you know, yeah, good enough. Um, you know, what, what, what does good mean? So how, what, what's a more effective way for people to, well, one, find good people to give them feedback. Cause you know, when you ask your mom, your mom's going to tell you it's awesome, um, which <laughs> right. is good for the ego, but not always good for great copy. Um, you know, how do you find the right people to give you feedback, and and how do you ask them the right questions?
1: So I think the companies that are really doing this in a best-in-class way, and I'm air quoting that, um, they are building a kind of train-the-trainer model where they're training a group of people to support internal. Um, employees, right? So instead of, so for small companies, perhaps they're hiring external experts to come in, audit people like us three years where we come in, audit it all and say, this is how I would evolve your copy. This is how your strategy might change it. Um, And that's really effective for these smaller companies because realistically you don't have the in-house expertise to be really critical. I think it's a bit of that mom effect, right? Like, well, I did it, so it's excellent. (laughs) Star of approval, mom loves it, we all love it. Um, But bigger companies are taking the step of actually training. So taking a group, let's say I have 100 recruiters, I'm gonna take 10, make them my point people, teach them what good looks like, teach them how to be excellent writers, then teach them how to teach the rest of your teams. So that you start to build mentorship and training at the same time.
0: Um, sorry, I just just kind of, kind of thinking through that. So I, I like that process of not getting everyone at once, but but you know, building in the experts and letting them them roll it out. But also setting up that expectation that uh, you know w- we are going to invest in this, we are going to have good copy. Um, you know, it's more it,
1: it's, realistic. It's a realistic approach to the future, right? Because there's going to come a point where you can't afford a consultant or you really struggle to create consistency across the board. These are issues we run into across everything, whether it's use of technology, training, creation, and copy suffers. Nine times out of ten, copy truly suffers. And so from my perspective, that's just a better way to to actually create the outcome that you're looking for, which is better storytelling and more consistency.
0: Uh, I'm I'm changing gears here a little bit, uh, Katrina. So uh, I've got to ask about the name of your company. So Three Ears Media, (laughs) how how did you come up with Three Ears?
1: Yeah, so I launched the company. um, It was not as planned as I may have hoped. And I actually spoke at an event that day that I launched my company. And so in that process, the organizer of the event, her name is Shannon. She's over at SourceCon, so shout out to Shannon. But uh, she she was like, Katrina, I need a company name. You know, you can't be Katrina from nowhere. What's your company name going to be? And I knew I was going to launch the company that day, but I still didn't have a name. And I looked at my dogs. And so backstory, I call them three ears because one – they have four ears, by the way. I always have to clarify that part. So I have a lab with an ear that stands straight up and one that's down like a lab ear. And then I have a Boston Terrier. And so they have three, when you look at them from behind, they have three ears. Uh, And so that plus me being told constantly as a kid that I have two ears and one mouth mixed together and turned into three ears media.
0: So, so excellent. So, so let's go there a bit because yeah you know, one of the things we often talk about on this show is you know starting your own business and that that's the first time I've ever heard of someone inventing a name on the spot because you know they need to be introduced at a presentation they were giving <laughs> right um, yeah so so that's great you know I, I was, you you just never know with a company name because sometimes it seems like people invest, you know, weeks and months and market research and committees and all this to get to a great name. And other times it is truly just kind of the off the cuff thing. And then you go with it and it's totally fine. Um, And I I know I've poured blood and sweat into coming up with company names before. And and ultimately um, what mattered just was that someone knew where to find me. Uh, that was it Um, much more so than, than the perfection of of the name. I think that, that I came up with. So anyway, I just love that you come up with something in the spot like that. So, well, let's talk about starting your business. So what have been some of the kind of the realities around starting the business that that maybe you didn't expect before you launched? Or maybe I just frame it as, you know, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to, you know, maybe leave the corporate job and, and start their own business?
1: Absolutely. You know, it was a big leap for me. I was actually just talking to a friend earlier today about how, you know, I launched when I launched my first company. Uh, it was about mm, four years ago now. I launched it, filed my LLC, and shut it down four days later because I had another opportunity come through.
0: That's pretty much uh, rec- I look record time. back timing. on that.
1: I know, right? <laughs> I decided it was going to fail. And so I think so many of us go into entrepreneurship with either this disastrous feeling like everything's going to crash in around us or... This unending enthusiasm. And what I would tell entrepreneurs is that we have to learn how to thrive in the in between. Mm. This is a concept that my friend Jamie Varian wrote about a few weeks ago in her newsletter. But basically, you know, we, the majority of our lives, especially as entrepreneurs, are spent on the in between, right? Not on the highs or lows. We have to thrive in the middle. And find such great joy in that. And the more you can do that, the happier you will be as an entrepreneur. I would. The second piece of advice I would offer is be niche. My friend Mary Ellen Slater told me that and it rings in my ears. And it has for over a year now. That you have to have that clarity, like we talked about earlier, to tell your story, to make people feel something, and to know who you are. If your customers cannot recite who you are without any influence from you, you are not doing marketing well, and you're not telling your story effectively.
0: Now, I think that's that's hard for a lot of business owners. It, it's certainly been difficult for me when, when I had businesses because it feels like you're, you're tuning potential customers out. Like, if I only focus here, who am I excluding? And I want to be inclusive. I want everyone to be able to give me their money and for my services. And so from your experience, how do you, how do you go there and have, I don't know, the, the faith, the certainty um, that it is working for you, particularly, you know, as you're starting a company and, you know, you're just starting to build a client base.
1: For me, the way that I found that was constantly reaching out to people to get that advice Um, I try to make a point of reaching out to two to three people every week just to talk life and business because I've found that there's a never ending supply of ideas and things that can help frame what you're doing and confirm where you're at. When I started this company a year ago, I had a completely different vision than what I have today. And through that evolution, I have found clarity. And so I think you just have to make room for the evolution, but you also in that same breath need to make room for listening and feedback and constantly seeking it out.
0: Now, how does that fit in? I mean, that that raises a great question for me because one of the things you know that we're always told is that we need to stay true to our vision and yet what you just described is something that, that I I've seen a lot more that it, the vision does evolve our understanding of what the business is, who our customers are evolves over time. Uh, we get more data, we get more input, we get more clarity. How how do we balance that out though? The being, allowing ourselves and our businesses to evolve without being um, flighty, <laughs> you know, without just going with the wind, uh, you know, As we were joking earlier, you know, the three people that chime in on Twitter without, you know, following every little thing that comes up.
1: Right. I think you need to commit to an evolving vision. And what I mean by that is that you start with a sentence. I help blank become create blank so that they can blank. Hmm. You need that sentence. And you need it on a post-it on your laptop that you see every single day. And as you look at that, when you're looking at projects, when you're taking things in, you need to see if it answers that sentence. And if more of your projects don't align with that sentence than they do, that's when you evolve. Okay, maybe I don't help um, truck drivers become better drivers, you know, so that they can get promotions in their job, right? I don't do that but there's somebody who does. And so if we have that sentence and we look at our work in alignment with that and continue to pursue that answer and how we support them, it will evolve in a measured way. Now, let me just asterisk that by saying that I have jumped many times too early I think I'm one of many entrepreneurs who has jumped at an idea and been like, yeah, I got it, and just spent two weeks building something. And then all of a sudden, you know, the screeching of the brakes, and you're like, oh, man, I just wasted two weeks, right? We've all done it. Don't be hard on yourself. If you can just get down to that sentence, know who you serve, your purpose, and I listened to that actually in one of your podcasts earlier today. You know your purpose fully right, and you have that service in mind, you can, I think you can evolve in a more structured way.
0: Yeah. So uh, tying into that there, um, and I, sorry, I'm kind of pausing here just as as I'm thinking through what, what you were saying that there and evolving it. And, you know, it's kind of, kind of interesting to me. Like, so you, you do copywriting for recruiters, like no one, when they're a kid says, that's what I want to be when I grow up, you know, like all the adult jobs, no kids know about what they are. <laughs> you know, I've had jobs where I can barely explain them to my friends, let alone my children. Um, and, but through that process, you know, we, we, we grow, we learn, we, we find things, we find kind of our niche, we, we find what we're interested in. And, you know, you so you've become an entrepreneur and and I'm always curious about kind of the, Downsides to entrepreneurship. Not to bring anyone down, but just I like the reality of it because, you know, you, you hear about the the 10 years it takes to become an overnight success. And yet if you look on Instagram or Facebook, it looks like you put up a website and pretty soon you're trying to decide where to park your Ferrari. And, and you know, that's just not the reality for anyone I've met. Um what is kind of the the gritty reality to to being an entrepreneur, to living that dream job that that you wish people knew about?
1: You know, I think there's two sides to it. The first one is the lonely factor, especially as a solo entrepreneur. When you come from a world where you've always worked on teams, where you've always been a team contributor, and then going to a world where you are the beginning, end, and final say of everything, it can definitely feel very lonely. Um, And I think the other side of that is just the constant insecurity. Even the most confident people in the world have a sudden thought that their business could fail. Hmm. And, you know, depending on your levels of anxiety and probably medication as well, (laughs) you know, it, it probably goes up and down. But I think everyone thinks about failing. And at some point, you will have to deal with a feeling of the fear of failure, and how you handle it will influence the outcome of your company.
0: Hmm. How do you prepare for that? Because it is scary. I mean, you don't know what the future is going to hold and you know, in the day job, you don't know what the future is going to hold, but you can probably count on that next paycheck. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas, you know, on your own, like you say, you know, that, that's not always true. Um, but you know, if you, you also just can't give up the first time it gets a little uncomfortable for you or gets a little lean. So, right.
1: what what are four days into your company? Like I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so what what are your tips or how do you suggest people deal with that? I mean, I mean, you can't solve everyone's anxiety, but just, you know, how, how can you gear up to be able to deal with that? Cause like, like you said, you know, it's coming.
1: Yeah. Handle your financial anxieties first. This was a piece of advice that someone gave me like the day I launched the company and, it is excellent advice. So basically, he he told me, build recurring revenue, Figure out how to make sure that you get paid every month. That's step one. Um, so whatever you do, there is a way to build retainers and recurring revenue. You just need to figure out what that is and pursue it heavily for the first six months so that you know where money is coming from for for the next six months. And once you're able to qualm some of those fears around the finances, I think it's a lot easier to look that fear in the face and tell it to shut up.
0: As we start to wrap up today, one of the things, I mean, and this has been great conversation. I mean, we started off talking about just copywriting around, um, for recruiting and turning that towards marketing and getting really clear on on the writing that we're doing and the stories that we're telling and the way we're communicating, but then really branching off also into just, um, Being an entrepreneur, setting up your own business, what does that look like? What are some of the things to to think through? So I love the evolution of of that conversation there. A lot of really great stuff. I know I took a lot of notes as we were talking there. Um, One of the questions I always like to wrap up with, actually two questions for you, Katrina. First off is where can people find you?
1: ThreeEarsMedia.com and three is spelled out. I'm also the only Katrina Kibben there is. Nice. So if you spell my name right, you will find me.
0: (laughs) All right. So for everyone listening, um, that is K A T R I N A, and then Kibben K I B B E N. Uh, That's nice. Uh, I am. uh, I I think there's one other Brock Edwards out there who um, shows up, and um, but it it is very nice having a name that's all yours. And and I'm older than him, so I got all the BrockEdwards.com and Twitter handles and all that. So anyway, yes. Uh, early mover advantage, I think there. So anyway, um, well, my, my last question then is always just, uh, how can people help you out? What, what would your ask of the listeners be?
1: I just want people to pursue telling better stories and to take advantage of opportunities to learn to be a better writer.
0: Nice. Very good. Well, Katrina, thank you so much for being on on today. Um, hopefully people check you. out the site. Like I say, great conversation. I love it. And I kind of geek out on copywriting too, um, just because written communication, the, the further along I get in my career, the more important I see it as being. And so really appreciate all the good tips today. Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What what are you going to take from this show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrifit. Now, I tried Nutrifit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made Nutrifit different is, one, that it mixes immediately, and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, Nutrifit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that NutraFit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just Take Action. At checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on NutriFit's website. That's N U T R I F I T T. There's two T's in there. So, nutrifit.net. And let me know what you think.